Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. So today my topic of my sermon, ain't it fun? And I answer it, it ain't fun. You just switch those first two words. Ain't it fun? And then say with me. Okay, one more time. Ain't it fun? Okay, great. All my girls back there, I'm so glad to see the girls coming back. I, I've missed them being Gabriella and all the girls that are with them. I got, I got one name out of it. We're so glad to have every person here. You, you all mean something dear to us. You know, we don't talk to you personally every time, but did you know that my husband and I, Pastor Jeffrey, Pastor Amy, we pray for you every day. You might be here because we have prayed a prayer even though we might not know you personally we pray god every person that is going to walk on this property we pray prayers over you for your well-being and when you're in church and i find out you need something i'm just going to lay hands on you and pray for you right (laughs) yeah on the front row the my girl here was telling me that she had been in the hospital she's pregnant and she's been going through some difficulties and i said well i'm going to pray right now and i just prayed that's what we're called to do We're called to act on what God's Word said. We're the people, the actors in the Word. He's called us to act out His Word with faith for what He says He's going to do. You're not responsible to do it, but you're responsible to act on His Word, to reach out to people and to do. When you see a need, it's our responsibility. And that's not my sermon today, but after hearing that song I just started looking at some of those words that are in it I don't mind letting you down easy but just give it time if it don't hurt now then just wait you just wait a while I mean this is the somebody that's been scorned obviously that is writing this song you're not the big fish in the pond no more I I hadn't thought of what this was actually saying a, a, a venomous uh, response to somebody obviously that's been hurt maybe maybe they're singing a, a, even about themselves in some way so what are you going to do when the world don't orbit around you ain't it fun living in the real world and the distinction between this song and us is that we don't live in the real world we are not of this world we're from another world in christ we're a part of the heavenly kingdom that is not of this world and that's why we don't really connect with these types of things oh yes we think these things and you all know it we don't we just don't act on them we bring them under the blood of jesus before we exercise what we would do to somebody that hurt us or how we would respond to being scorned or put down and you know pastor jeff taught a few years ago who was here if you remember when he taught us the german word schadenfreude does anybody remember that schadenfreude Okay, remember, that word means, one person remembers. I mean, it's a weird word, and I wouldn't expect you to remember, but it's a German word that's a noun, and it means a person that gets joy out of the suffering of others. I mean, it's, a, it's easier to say schadenfreude than say all those, say that explanation. So it comes from a German word of two words that means damage and joy at the same time you get joy from seeing others hurt but you know God says that vengeance belongs to him vengeance is the Lord's and hey he does a much better job 
with vengeance than we could ever do. He, he really knows exactly how to get that person back for the harm that they impose upon others. So uh, today we're going to look at the life of the wisest man that ever lived. And what's his name? Okay, yeah, so let's all say it together. So Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived and, can I just say, the stupidest man that ever lived. And we're going we're gonna to find out. Yeah, he really, he really is. And so the reason this message, I came up with this message to go with this song is to show the futility of looking to the world and to look after the world when you have the treasure in earthen vessel that Paul speaks about. We have a treasure in earthen vessel that's not of this world. We who know God. And God gave Solomon the wisdom that he asked for. He asked of God. And then once he got it, somewhere along the way, he gets into a funk. And I think it is, If I mean, you know, I studied psychology, that, that's what my studies were in. And so I think he was having some issues, really, during this time, you know, we all have issues, and here he is, middle-aged, so let's just say he was having a middle-aged crisis, looking back on his life, how he came to be. Think about it. He came from an illicit, scandalous affair that was between Bathsheba, and I call her Bathsheba, because what was she doing taking a bath out in the open on the roof of a house? Just tell me. She was like, hmm, I wonder if anybody's looking. And she's like, hey, I think I'll take a selfie, and I'll put it on Instagram and see if I get some likes. Have you seen people that do stuff like that? And then they like put like a little Bible verse with it or a spiritual comment to try to like, you know, dampen the, gra the gravity of it somewhat. Yeah, I mean, let's be careful, people. Put what we put out there, sometimes you can't get it back. I know, I just started a YouTube channel and I did horrible on the first thing that I put on there and I was panicking. I was like, oh my gosh, it's on there forever. I can't get it off. And, and I spent hours and I finally figured out and then the last button you push, it says, do you want to delete this forever? And I said, yes, I want to <laughs> delete it forever because I didn't know what I'm doing. I still don't know what I'm doing, but I'll tell you more about that some other time. But Solomon, in the Word, you know, he... He had all this wisdom and he had everything, but at one point, I think he was struggling emotionally and mentally. I really do. And he decided that he was going to try to explore the things of the world. He made it like a research almost. And I found eight ways that Solomon attempted to replace God in his life. Eight ways. Listen, they will resonate with all of us at, at some point. I believe it will touch all of us, and we all have been guilty of at least one, but the first one was education. And Solomon says, I gave my heart. Who is our heart reserved for? 
for the Lord. But Solomon said, I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. The sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I've seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is, y'all got it, say it, vanity and vexation of the spirit. We know that. So he went in quest of being the most knowledgeable person, not just wise. You know, he did have wisdom when it came to decisions. Have you ever been around someone that maybe they don't even have a lot of education, but they have wisdom from God. And in that moment, when something needs to be done, it just seems like they have godly wisdom and they know exactly what to do. They might not have education. So he had this wisdom, which I believe was was that, that's an instance of it. He had this wisdom, but now he's wanting to know everything. He wants to know more than everyone else. And he said that to know is madness and folly. He said, for in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. And in a way that's true that the more you know, the more you know, and then the more you're accountable to know. You know, the, uh, if you grew up Catholic, the Catholic Church has these two concepts that you're either in a category of a person that is, has invincible ignorance, and that means you sinned, but you didn't know that it was a sin. You didn't know you weren't supposed to do it. And then the other person, invincible sin is, I knew it, and I did it, and that's it. So that's the two different types of looking at things, but that's really not the way God looks at it. He puts inside of us, and everyone knows this, we have a knower that tells us, uh-uh, or uh-huh. We know, even before we act on things, don't ever say, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know it was going to lead to that. We know that sin leads to death. That, I mean, that's just it. That's the end. You don't have to say, well, I just want to experience this like Solomon did. Just take it from the wisest man that ever lived, that it's vanity and vexation. The second thing he said that he tried to replace God with is pleasure. He said, I said in my heart, go, I'll prove with mirth, which is just glee and happiness. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. Behold, this is all vanity, he said. And he said, I said of laughter, it's mad and of mirth. What does it? And he tried to prove, ain't it fun? But he found out it ain't so fun to just the pleasures of the world. Believe me, they wear and tear on you. The party life, the busy life, the worldly life, it just takes a toll on you. I always say that it shows up on you. It shows up on you, on your face. It shows up on your attitude. It shows up on your appearance. You can just see when someone is drifted off into that world. So the Bible says the pleasures of sin are there for a season. There are pleasures. Ain't it fun? Yeah, it's fun in that moment. But immediately it starts spiraling down. It, pleasure ends with pain. The pleasure of the world always results in pain, and that leads to death. So uh, he sought 
for not only education and knowledge, which he was seeking for it the wrong way. Education and knowledge is great. We can use it. It can be something useful for us to minister people to people with. You know, when you know some things that you can bring in together to, to tell someone, to counsel with someone, then to pray with someone, it's good to have those things. If you know that life has a midlife crisis, if you know that there are certain stages of life that we go into, certain stages of grief, those are very helpful things when people have needs in their life. But we don't want that to be what goes before God or, the, or what people see in us. Oh, yeah, there's, a, there's the Ph.D., there's the that, there's the master's. It's not that. We thank God for those things. I'm, I'm appreciative for 10 years. I, was, I carried a high school diploma from 17 years old, and, old until I was 40. So, I mean, that's all that I had at that time. And I realized I need to learn some more things to be a good minister and to add to helping people and so that that was my pursuit that lasted for 10 years so you know that wasn't fun I'll tell you that <laughs> 10 years of trying to pastor a church and go to the college and raise Tyler I mean that was a lot of work but I looking back I, I didn't seem like it was like that much of a thing now now I was like how did I do that yeah so you're probably the same way you probably leave here and your life is busy like that too but, you know, pleasure is something that can be enjoyed in the presence of God. Because the Bible says, in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So he has pleasures. He's, he's very excited that we want to get knowledge and that we want to have pleasure in our life and it's beautiful when it's under the guidelines of the Lord. Thirdly, not only did he replace God with knowledge and with pleasure but with possessions and he even brags in Ecclesiastes 2 and 4 and he says, I built houses, I planted vineyards, I made gardens and planted trees and all kinds of fruit trees, I made pools and I got servants and maidens and I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem I mean he's just just inflating himself with all these accomplishments that he's made these possessions things that we hold on to the very things that you hold on to are the things that you have to let go of when this life is over you can't take any possession into eternal life except Jesus Christ in your heart. That's the only thing that you can carry over to the next world. And it's very important. So we don't seek after education. We don't seek after pleasure. We shouldn't seek after possessions in life only. Not that any of these things are wrong, and we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. But fourthly, he replaced God with the thought of legacy and heritage heritage and legacy and what he concluded was a sad conclusion in Ecclesiastes 2 and 18 he said yea I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me you see he was already looking ahead and and resentful that he had a accumulated all these things and then it was just somebody else just going to get it handed to them that didn't seem fair he worked hard for that and he said who knows whether he shall be a wise man or a fool and 
And we do know, if you study the Old Testament, it, from one king to the next, it went from a smart and a wise person to a fool, an idiot, a person that just hated God. And then it switched back and forth. It's never like a string of good kings. And Solomon just was disappointed at that time of his legacy and of his children. We don't put God before our children. We can't replace God with our children. They're a heritage from the Lord. They're a gift that God's given to us, but they do not take the forefront of God. And listen, if you're married, couples, your children are not your world. You have to remember your God first and then your spouse. I've seen a lot of marriages break up because when the baby came, then all of a sudden the Everybody said, the baby is now my world. You have to remember, the spouse is second after God. I got a teaching on that, that I'll teach sometimes, a divine order that God has set in life. And if you get out of it, your life will not prosper. And all you single girls, remember that, that it's God first, then whoever it is you're going to marry, and then the children you'll have, and then your ministry or your calling or your vocation, and finally everything else. It's five easy things. So, so he tried to replace God with education. I mean, he was just on this quest, and all that, that didn't work. Now I'm going to try pleasure. I'm just going to go enjoy all the pleasure I can. That didn't work, so I'm going to think about acquiring things and having possession over all these things that didn't work well maybe it's going to be in my children my heritage and passing something on to this person or that person that didn't work so he said I know I'll I'll pour myself into philosophy I'll philosophize things in life and Ecclesiastes 3 is really philosophically and poetically written it's the scripture we all know to everything there is a season and a time and a purpose under heaven I mean it's very poetically written and this was during his quest in philosophy and he goes on to say that which hath been is now and that which is to be hath already been and God requireth that which is past. I mean, he, he just took this eloquence in like wanting to get up wherever he was, if it was dinner or if it was morning or evening or night or to his servants or whoever it was and just speaking eloquently and making, making statements that are kind of over most people's heads. You know, you, you need an interpreter for some of the things that he was saying. But you know what he found out? He said, that's all vanity. That is vexation. He saw the vanity of it. At least he was seeing something out of all this. But I hope that you are not going to waste your time trying his research and you're just going to learn from the wisest man that ever lived today. So that's five of the eight. Number six, wealth and riches. Wealth and riches after knowledge, after pleasure, after possessions, after heritage, after philosophy. Now he says, I know what I'll do. I'll try to be rich and get stuff. And so he said, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasures of kings and of the provinces. And so he thought, I mean, that, what's, that, what's that about? You can't take none of that stuff with you. I mean, what's, what does that mean if you've got every statue and every trophy and every, every bit of money? You've got a room filled with all these riches. I mean, you can't 
do anything with all that, just to look at that. That's not, there's no glory in that. And you know, of course a person that is after those things would never share anything with anyone. They wouldn't dare feel this compassion and compelling to, to share part of that. Number seven is reputation. And you know what he said? He's getting a little closer, you know, I think, to having some sense. He said, a good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. In other words, if you go to a big party and you just have a big party and everybody's having a great time and you go home, you're not going to think a lot about that. But if you go to a funeral, and we've been to a few of them the past few years around here since COVID, but if you go to a funeral, you leave that place and you don't forget it. I mean, any of you that's been to one, you know you think about that. It makes you think about your life. You give more thought to your own life and to your choices and your decisions because it makes it so in that way he's saying it's better to go to a place of mourning than to a, a big party that's what he's trying to say is it makes us think about where we are and today I hope we're all thinking about where are we where do we fit in all this because finally after knowledge after pleasure after possessions after heritage after philosophy and after wealth and reputation is the last one, folly. He said, I set my mind to try to seek wisdom in the plan and to know that wickedness is foolishness and that folly is delusion. I found myself that more bitter than death is the woman who is a trap. All men say amen. <laughs> Whose heart is a snare and whose hands are bonds. And that, that means handcuffs. You know, there are women that are controlling. They're going to get what they want. And they, they have these little handcuffs that you cannot see. And they're just looking for somebody to cuff, you know. So Solomon said, the one who pleases God escapes from her. <laughs> but the sinner is caught by her. He said, I found this out while said the teacher, while trying to find how the plan fits together. This is what he said. What my heart sought, I didn't find. Although I found one righteous man among a thousand. Now, can you imagine? He must have sent people out and said, find a thousand men. And I want you to point out and tell me if there's one righteous man among them. And you know what? He found one. One in a thousand. All you single ladies, there's better hope for you. I'm sure God has more than one in a thousand guys out there that's set aside for you. But listen to this. But I did not find one upright woman among a thousand. Maybe where he was looking... <laughs> might have been the problem. He was looking in his harem of a thousand concubines. Maybe that's where he was looking to, to try to find a good woman because Proverbs 31 says a good woman is 
greater than any treasure you could ever have, a, a Proverbs woman. That's, that's what women we want to be. We don't want to be that seductive type person that's got these invisible cuffs wanting to control and manipulate. We want to be godly women that exercise our own wisdom that comes from God that, that's different for, for us than it is for guys. We don't operate by the same mechanisms, do we? Right? Be careful, be careful. So, he said it's folly, it's all vanity and vexation. And so, is education, is it a sin? No, education's not a sin. Study to show yourself approved. 2 Timothy 2 and 15. So, is our possessions a sin? No, possessions, God wants us to, he says, tells us that man's life doesn't just consist of possessions. But he wants us to have possessions. He's, he's pleased with that. It's a, actually a sign that we're blessed. When you have possessions, it's a sign the blessing of God is on your life. He doesn't want us to, to be people that are suffering and lacking. How about pleasures? Well, we know at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's not a sin. Heritage and legacy is not a sin. It's, a, it's actually the way we live for our eternal life. The Father gave his son, and his son gave his life, and then it produced all of the people that serve him now. So legacy is very important to our Father God. Philosophy, not so much. Philosophy, uh, you know, avoid philosophizing with people because the Bible says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. So you, it can spoil you. How many young people do I know that went to college and came back on Christmas break? You know, I don't know if I believe in God. You know, really, when you, when you think about it, my philosophy class, you know, now I'm pretty convinced we came from animals. You know, I, I mean, honestly, our, the, the mind just gets deprogram, desensitization, and they hear and they hear and they hear these philosophers and it makes an impact on them. And thank God, I've seen those same people that went off and said those things. I've seen them come back, come back around. And I, I thank God for that. So if you're young and you're in that world and you're having these questions, find a leader and let someone help you and, and talk you through these things lest you go off into the deep. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to be spared. Wealth and riches, are they a sin? Well, no. Deuteronomy 8 and 18 says it's God that gives you the power to get wealth. And that means money, people. It doesn't mean that you get a blessing. I've heard people say, well, it's not talking about real money. Yes, it is. It's talking about money. Cash in the hand. Yes, it is. God wants us to prosper that's how people know you're blessed sometimes that are worldly, that you don't know. Important people are people out on the streets. They'll come up and talk to you because they see something on your life that represents that you're living a blessed life. So it's a good thing. Somebody say amen. amen. Reputation, Proverbs 22. That's a good thing. It says a good name is to be more desired than great wealth. And finally, folly, uh-uh. It ain't fun. Folly means behavior with stupidity attached to it. So it's stupid. You don't want to go around and people say, he's stupid or she's stupid. No, 
Can we say that anymore today? I don't know what, maybe that might not even be, I might get in trouble for saying that, but that's what the word folly means, it's in the dictionary, okay? So I'm just repeating it from that. So Solomon, to me, wasted a lot of time. He wasted a lot of time because he was saying all his vanity and vexation of the spirit before he ever did any of these things before he ever took these dark paths, the sensual, sexual, evil, apart from God life, just in search to say, I want to experience it for myself just so I can know. Like those groups of people that send their children off to explore the world and sow their oats. I, I don't... I'm so not in favor of that. We want our children to stay pure. We want our children to stay godly. We want to keep them from ever experiencing a tainted life that they have to live with in their minds forever. Listen, just because you get married does not wipe away all that stuff that you're involved with. you got to live with that. I want you to be spared from those things. I want you to get as close to God as you can get whether you're young or old or whatever you're involved in, I want the power of God to save you and pull you out of whatever situation you might be in so that we can all be mature in the Lord. And now I want to bring this to a close and our musicians can begin to come at this time and tell you the story. There was a really rich man. He was wealthy. He wore purple which is a sign of royalty. He wore purple and fine linen. And he walked every day by the gate. And everyone saw him, admired him, and he was always feasting on anything he wanted. The Bible tells it this way. And he was constantly feasting. So he had wonderful foods, every kind of food you could ever desire or imagine. And every day he passed by the gate, and there was a poor man filled with sores all over his body whose name was Lazarus. This is not the one Jesus raised from the dead. And he was sitting there, and the Bible says he just longed for some crumbs from the rich man's table. But, you know, the rich man didn't have time for him. He didn't have time to waste on that scummy guy with his hand out and his finger pointing toward him, wanting just a crumb. He probably heard that rich man say, today I'm going to have filet mignon, I'm going, to have, I'm going to have a baked potato and salad and bread and dessert. He probably was hearing these things, and that's why the Bible said he longed for just a crumb that came from his table. And the Bible goes on to say that at some point they both died. Both the men died. And Lazarus, did you know, the one at the gate with all the sores over his body, he was taken up by the angels and he was placed at the right side of Abraham, Father Abraham. And the Bible says, the rich man, he died as well and was taken to hell. And in hell, the rich man looked over the chasm and he saw Abraham and the rich and the Lazarus at his side just standing next to him, feeling loved, feeling whole. He was healed. He was complete. He had everything he would ever need for all eternity. And the rich man screamed and said, Father Abraham, please send Lazarus to me 
so that he could dip his finger in water and just touch my tongue that I can be relieved from the pain of these flames because he was in hell and Lazarus was in heaven. And you know what Abraham said to him? In life, you had good things. But now, in, in the afterlife, Lazarus has good things. He no longer has bad things. And you know, there was some attachment about that story. He had an opportunity that he did not take advantage of in life. He overlooked something he could have given attention to in life. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that if you go to hell, you will know that beautiful things are beyond your reach. You won't just be locked up in a lake of fire and it's only there. The, the torment of hell is going to be looking over there and seeing Lazarus standing at Abraham's side and knowing you could have done something, you could have made a change in your life, but you chose to walk past him. You chose to feast. You chose to live the life that ignored the needs of the world and the need for God. You will be aware of that. But Abraham looked back at him and he said, hey buddy, there's a chasm between us and it's not possible for me or Lazarus to cross this chasm to get to you, neither is it possible for you to cross the chasm to come to us. This is eternity. This is what eternity is gonna be like. Every moment of your life, you're gonna know what you missed. You're gonna know you could have had the opportunity on January 24th, 22, to accept Jesus. Because let me tell you, you are going to make one of two decisions this morning. Those watching online, you have this opportunity as well. You're either going to accept Jesus today, or you know what? If you don't, you're gonna say decision number two. You're gonna say, no, thank you, Jesus. It comes down to that in this moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm talking to that group right now. If you want to ask Jesus into your heart to change your life, would you raise your hand right now while others are not looking? Thank you, thank you, thank you. All over the room, all over the room, in almost every section, yes, the lights are down. And so if you didn't raise your hand yet and you want to, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh my goodness, about 25, thank you. Put your hands down once you raise them. Put them down, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is moving so powerfully. Only He can make the change. Only He can save you right now. If you're not saved, that means you're doomed. But when Jesus comes in, He saves you from doom. He saves you from death and destruction. And right now, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you're that person that raised your hand, let's all pray to encourage those around us who did raise their hand. Let us all say, Father God, thank you for Jesus Christ, your only son. I receive Jesus today. Forgive me of my sins. Come and live in my heart. 
and I will serve you all the days of my life. Lord, we thank you for that. Amen. We thank you, Lord. And now I want to challenge the rest of us. What is it? What is it that you know that you have tried to replace God with without actually saying those words, but you know you have given more time, more attention, maybe to education, maybe to pleasure, maybe to possessions, maybe to wealth, maybe to heritage, maybe to philosophy, perhaps it's to reputation, building up your reputation and just wanting people to think the greatest of you, or perhaps it's folly in life and you've just wandered along. You have accepted Jesus, but you have not made that the first and foremost in your life. Today I'm challenging you to pray and to think about it and plead guilty today before a merciful God and instead of making excuses but Lord I didn't know I didn't think I, I was pushed into it I was led into it I couldn't resist yet yeah, just plead guilty before a merciful God and he will help you today I pray that you're encouraged I pray that you feel closer to the Lord you've learned something from this today and let's all give the Lord a big hand as our team comes to close us out this concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.